Hey gang, this is Fillmore, just letting you know that if you enjoy our podcast, quite frankly, a Howard Stern podcast, and you'd like to donate some money for the upkeep, uh, or you want to request certain clips, please donate to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash jimfix. That's J-I-M-F-I-X-X. You can donate as much as you want for as long as you want. There's absolutely no obligation. Hey, why don't you rub your cock up against the phone? Let me see what kind of noise it makes. I'm not going to do that. Just do it. It's a big deal. Are you gay? Which Howard are you talking to? The one who asked that question. Oh, no. I'm just trying to be entertaining. That's all. I'm not gay. <laughs> My gay. Of course not. I have a wife. <laughs> a lot of gay men have wives. Yeah, but come on. You know me. <laughs> you know I'm not gay. I'm just asking the guy how big his cock is. Well, you're asking him to rub it up against the phone. And all you do is mooch off of people. You do nothing. That's, You're a big homo. That's not entirely true. What do you do? Really? <laughs> I'm bisexual and I don't mooch <laughs> off everybody. People are going to be shocked that you put out an exercise and diet book because they don't think of you that way, right? right they think right. about you. That, well, but, not... but, but here you are today. With it's, Is the book out now? Yep, Form of the 50. Is there a bunch of pictures of you with your shirt off so no, we can no, see no, no, your no. muscularity? Well, no, I didn't take my shirt off. Musculature. Yeah, we got to have an example. I want to see your musculature. This is not about... Uh, this is not the Chippendale show, Robert. Are you very rich? If, if you took off your clothes now, you were totally nude. But I see a man who is in the prime condition. You have of to have life. him totally yeah, nude. Yeah. Would you mind it? being totally nude Must right now? You. Yeah, I'm not taking my clothes off. <laughs> Please. How is that give me a strip in here? Please, if you have my girls, you bring up here. Take strippers. off your clothes. Take Must off your shirt. Let me see I'm what's going on. I'm not taking my shirt off. I want to see if you got titties on show. Last time I watched the show, I see you had the porn stars up there. Yeah. And y'all, I had the girls in here stripping and stuff like that. I'm like, me? You want to bring me? Yeah, yeah. I want you nude right now. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Man. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm doing way too good for this kind of shit, Howard. Look at you. Look at your ass. You're so muscular. Do you, have muscle, do you have muscles in your ass that you'd like to show? I'm not doing this in a gay way. I just want to, you know, I just want to see if you're fat or not. I just want to see. It's not gay. No, I'm just saying, man. Let's see your balls. The tip of your penis was over nine inches. No, right at the nine. nine inches. Yeah. Is that that's how did you making me feel good, man? I thought that nine, I'm, cause when nine, you watch porno, those dudes is like a foot. Nine is perfect. Oh, all right. Well, uh, maybe that's well, what, what that's, that's, that's the about secret. Oh, that's the yeah, wait. Hold on, Robin. You <laughs> is, is nine perfect, Robin? Perfect. What does Howard mean know, by that? You know exactly <laughs> what I mean. <laughs> My daughter's uh, 15. All her friends are, like, consumed with who's gay and who isn't. That yeah, that's, like, a big that's thing. That's the new thing. Yeah, right. They think I'm gay. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's Thanks. gay. Welcome, everybody. The Church of QF, a podcast about Howard Stern, is now in session. I can honestly say this is the first time we've interviewed a man of the cloth here for your listening pleasure is Mr. The, or, sorry, rather, the Reverend Bob Levy. Thank you for joining us, Bob. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. It's uh, it's it's winter time. It's cold. It's icy outside, and uh, I'm happy to be inside right now with you fine folks. Sam's, of course, here. She's dressed to kill, and uh, we got loads of questions. So, guys, we're yeah. not going to waste any of your time. We're going to go right into it with Bob. Um, Bob, the first thing I wanted to ask you was: you mentioned a long time ago on the show um, that you worked a bachelor party for the WWE, and that you met Vince and oh, Pat Patterson. Yeah. Yes, uh, that was, uh, I don't even know what year it is, what year that was, but uh, I got a call from, uh, it was it was a comedian that owned the club in Yonkers, uh, what the hell's his name, I'll think of his name and uh, you'll know who I was talking about, but uh, 
he he calls he goes we got a bachelor party and it's for shane mcmahon and uh it's on a boat out of new york city and it, it was the weirdest thing because it was like wrestlers all the back people and then Shane's friends and I think I still have the t-shirt I remember Norton said that he had the t-shirt me mm-hmm. and Jim Norton went and uh it said something like the SSS McMahon and it was like a life preserver on it I have to have it somewhere because I knew I wouldn't have thrown it out because I was a big wrestling fan but it was yeah. weird to like you know see Vince there and but it, it was fun I mean they, they really liked me and I thought you know, they were like, we can use a guy like you as an announcer and all that shit. And and then Pat Patterson was rubbing my leg, I remember. And I was like, this is getting uncomfortable. But it, it was it was it, it was an experience. You know what I mean? It was really fun. So how many years at that point had you been doing comedy? Uh, let me see. I, I was that that might have been right before Stern. So you're saying I don't mean it had to be 10 years in, you know, I was I was really good at it by then, you know, mm-hmm. way be, mm-hmm. you know, I think I started in 86. So, yeah, I was already well into headlining before Stern. And then I think that was right before. And it was probably 90, 97, 98. And mm-hmm. uh, it was it was just uh, amazing. You know, I expected we're on a boat. There's going to be hookers and shit like <laughs> that. We're getting blown yeah. while we're drinking. But uh, it was nothing like that. And. The only the closest I got to getting laid was when Pat Patterson was rubbing my leg. <laughs> <laughs> so you you and Jim must have bonded on because uh, yeah I know Jim was a huge wrestling fan as a kid and and maybe still never still never stopped being a fan. Well, Jim Florentine was more of a wrestling fan. Jim used to go to uh, uh, wrestling and he had some guy who was an old guy on the block that. He used to make him sit on his lap and he'd give him a wrestling picture. It's a pretty good story. I mean, it, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's like a love story. <laughs> we, I've heard the story, but and if Jim ever agrees to do our show, uh, I'll let him tell it in full uh, in full color. But um, yeah, I, definitely. The uh, but you meant you made noises like you might have been able to get in as like a, a heel or like a manager or something. Did you, did you ever did you ever get anywhere near getting into the WWEF at the time or WWE as like a uh, uh, or you know a talker well i that's what they that's what they were saying like they can use somebody like me on the mic and all that and you know they said you should learn how to take falls and that and i knew my neighbor was he had the rest he had a wrestling uh place in jersey it was called the monster factory and uh and he goes yeah just train here and i trained for i i did this for like three years i mean really? but like to get a call back yeah, I mean, I actually wrestled. I loved mm-hmm. it. You know, I had I had a ball. It was fucking fun. And you get to learn how to do stuff. You, you know, if you know what you're doing, you're not really going to get hurt, but you can get hurt at any time. You know, yeah. people did get fucked up, but but it, it was uh, it, it was fun. But like you didn't hear back like you you'd call up and then they you get through one time and then you. You wouldn't get through, and by the end, it was like, there's no way. You know, nobody in this business, it's not a business where they'll say, well, we can't use it right now, maybe down the road. They just don't call you back. Nobody, it's like a a bitch business, you know what I mean? It's not like what I came from, from before doing, you know, when I got into comedy and that stuff. It's just like, I, I was shocked how 
bitchy people are, you know? If you were to have gotten called for, like, actual wrestling, I thought you meant wrestling as a pundit, not as an actual wrestler. You know, like Mr. T or whatever. (laughs) Or Hulk Hogan, I don't know. Yeah, I mean... But if you would have gotten called, would you have quit comedy for it? No, no. I wouldn't have been a wrestler either. I, I was okay at wrestling. Uh, I was better on the mic and all that stuff. And I knew wrestling because I grew up with it, watching it with my grandfather. We started watching it. He lived downstairs in Staten Island. We had like a mother-daughter house. And they uh-huh. had my grandfather and grandmother had the house downstairs. And I used to go down every Saturday night and watch wrestling with him. And he would curse at the TV thinking it was real. So did I. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's a um, good memory. You mentioned Bob that uh, like uh, yeah. early on, you sat in on the show early on. Even like um, eventually, you got to a point where you could sit in on the show, not just when Artie wasn't there, but when he was there. Like you'd sit next to him, um, and then years, way yeah. years later, Opie got video of Howard walking through a serious building with security following him, like he was the Pope. So, um, what was the level of security for Howard at that point? Was he very approachable? Was he, you know, when the show was over, could you just go, Hey, Howard, how's it going? What's things, you know? Yeah. I mean, I had, I never felt like I was told, you know, they would, they would say clear things, but you know, if Howard walked by, he'd go, Hey, what's up? And you go, Hey, what's up? You know what I mean? And he'd sit down, like I'd get there early before the show. Cause that's how I am. And uh, he would see me in the green room, and he'd go, hey, how you doing, Bob? And I'm like, yeah, I'm doing good, man. I'm excited. And he goes, good, let's have a good show. He was very, just very normal with us, you know, with me for sure, you know. And we got along, we got along good. I, I think he liked my appearances. I liked to be on there. And mm-hmm. it, it was totally, it was, it, you know, it was some of the best time I've had in radio. Him and Kid Chris doing Kid Chris's show was probably the two. I was able to write more on Kid Chris and uh and write for other characters and that so it was really you know those two were the two biggest things that you could want to be on on radio at that mm-hmm. time for me mm-hmm. well uh the the thing was uh years later a lot of people got really disappointed when they found out of course that a lot of the bits were fake like uh, Chauncey Hayden went on a show and said that the get John's job thing was a work and that Richard was already going to get hired and that it was just a way of padding out, you know, 10 weeks of, you know, however many weeks people were coming in. And uh, do you, you, you sat in on the, um, the writing meetings didn't, at, at, on, from time to time, didn't you? Time to time. Yeah. Not, not that much, you know, if I was still around, but no, not, not that much, but you know, I, I knew everything that was going on and uh, to say that, it was sad. I mean, truthfully, I mean, Richard was probably the best for that job. If you look at it, because they needed something different. They didn't need, they already had me, you understand? So mm-hmm. it would have been a waste for me to have it. And mm-hmm. I kind of knew that. And like, I, I remember one night, one day they had a band in, I forget what band it was. And he goes, we can't get to it today. And he goes, don't worry about it. And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't matter, you know, because it, it, it was like, it was like I can't do all the taping that they can do in the office. I can't do all that. So, like when you look at it, like Sal and Richard, it was the perfect thing to have. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you can push, you can push it either way on the air. But I, I don't really remember him kind of doing that. But I, I just, I just uh, looked at it as you know, this is just 
for me to come up with different ideas and I can always say, hey, I got an idea in the future and work on it from there. And that's that's the way I did it. You know, I, yeah. I, I definitely thought that Richard was the way and Sal and him that both of them together was an unbelievable team. Mm -hmm. Sam. So there's a theme that's kind of been obvious throughout the Stern show that basically mm -hmm. Howard seems to expect uh everyone's unlimited time when they start on the show to work as much as possible for as little pay as possible. That's kind of just how it is. And it always seems like people were doing side hustles and you were a part of helping doing these side hustles for people like a Richard or a Sal or a Shuli. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so Obviously, the culture was don't ask for more money because you're not going to get it. So you kind of helped people get some second income as well as your own career and income. You know what I'm saying? So Yeah, well, here's the whole thing. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. Yeah. Uh, so the whole why thing is, you, is that when you go... Uh, yeah, go ahead. So why do you think that no one on that show asked for more money? But why? Because you were on the Howard Stern show, okay? You know, the whole thing was, for me to get on the show was a way for me to make money. Not to make money over him, but make money for myself. And uh, and and that, that's what you do it for. That's, you know, it wasn't like I had to be there all. I wasn't hired by him. I was mm -hmm. never, I was never hired by him. I was there for, what, eight years or so, but... I, you know, even when I started doing the roast, he said, we'll pay you for this. And I said, I, I, I was like, you know, I sat down with Tim and I go, I don't want money. I said, I can make my own. I said, how about I get two plugs a show? And he went to Howard and Howard agreed. And I was like, that's all I need, man. I can make my own money. And when you're on there, you know, uh, as long as you're doing good, you're going to you're going to make money. You're going to make money on the road. I mean, I was doing I was making money before Howard. This made it just a lot more easier. A Sam, lot more you, easier. You had a you had a follow up, Sam? Yeah. I mean, I understand for your case, you're a comic first and foremost. You weren't a salaried employee. But for people who were salaried employees, they needed these gigs that you provided as a lifeline to live in New York City, to live and to they couldn't afford to live even where they lived based on the income that they were getting. I mean, they complained about it constantly. Yeah, and then in fact, I'm uh, right now, Bob. I'm just going to play a clip uh, and just bear with us because it's a it's a, okay. a minute it's a minute okay. clip, but I I got to cut it up. Yeah, I here it's serious. Okay, no, that's good. Funny than I do. I know that for a fact. If I had to, live... what's I got to do? Why is he looking in Richard's yeah, pocket? Yeah, it doesn't matter. That does not matter. That just doesn't matter in any of this. Off the money I'm making just for what I do for the news, I probably wouldn't be able to live in New York, you know. Yeah. And and the comedy is a huge thing for me, but it's such a it's a, it's such a kick in the face to every comic who's gone through the ranks that this guy A is making more than you are, and B could give a shit about it. Just that was a, a based on uh, Richard complaining to you, or mm -hmm. I think it was to you and Shuli about what he was getting paid on the road at one point, maybe 2007. And there's loads of clips here, and I'll I'll play another one of Artie just for context, guys, uh, because it's not just the okay. it wasn't it wasn't just the the lower rank guys. Artie was saying if he couldn't get make money uh, on on the show, he would be bitching. But 
Listen, I, I've said this before. If I couldn't make the money I make on the road, I might be bitching about money here. But you know what? The fact of the matter is, I choose to do the road a lot and take that schedule because but honestly, you, what, out of respect for Howard, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the guy but, bitching about money. Could, so there's so there's that there's that aspect of it. And I guess the the question we keep mm-hmm. asking people because we just did an interview with uh, Jackie. How does Howard not realize that uh-huh. he's going to get better employees if he pays them more, so they don't have to do so many extra gigs? He'll have they'll have more energy for the show. You know, I just don't know. I really don't think it's. If you look at it, it's not really Howard's job to pay them. It has to go through other people. There, you know what I mean. They're the ones that are really paying them. Uh, that are paying the people. You know, Howard could say something, but it's up to the people that. Are, are paying Howard to go, okay, I'll give you extra money for this in, in your contract to pay these other people. But, I mean, it's not for to come out of Howard's money, truthfully. And, yeah, the road the road was huge money. The road mm-hmm. was, uh, like, if you look at somebody like Artie, the money was huge. I mean, uh, I don't know what his salary was at, at Howard, but I know it was pretty good. But on the road, if you can make... You go to Vegas and make eighty to one hundred and twenty thousand. You know, then you go home on the you go home on Sunday and you go to work again. And then if there, if other gigs were, they started at he started with me at fifteen grand. Then we realized what he was worth, and it kept going up twenty five, thirty, mm-hmm. thirty five, forty five, right. and then you know it was around fifty. And then his right. manager was taking the ideas that I used. Because they didn't know what to do. They're just sitting at home, like he said, fat fuck sitting around on his, at his pool while I'm in Chicago with you, driving around in a limousine. He doesn't know what the business is, how to market somebody. He just sells them, you know? I'm, I'm going to interrupt you and Fillmore. Fill in the blanks of what we know about their pay and how well, they're we- paid. Sure, we know for a fact, Bob, because the in smokinggun.com has the first serious contract. Everybody got their money through Howard's production company. He got the hundred million a year. That was the first, you know, five years of the contract. And then he mm-hmm. disseminated. In other words, he determined what people were going to get. And it, it, so it came out in the Jackie interview that Fred, for example, was making three times less than than Jackie. And Jackie was making six hundred, almost time. 600, three Wait. times less. Less. I thought he. I thought he was making more. I, as far as I knew, Fred was right on the Robin and, and right, right around Gary. You know what I mean? Uh, so, to, to, for him with, to be under, is yeah. serious. With Jack, with Jackie's math, he was making six hundred, uh, just under six hundred k a year, and that means Fred was making less than two hundred k in two thousand. Uh, two thousand was that? That was not right even when serious. we went to serious yet. That's right. That's right before Sirius. Yeah, so. maybe right before Sirius. Yeah. But in Sirius, he was taken care of very good, uh, as far as I know. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Artie was up to, he was making a lot of money there, truthfully. And he was able to probably make two times that, three times maybe, on the road. Mm-hmm. The point is, the point is with all of this, if mm-hmm. he was in control of mm-hmm. salaries through his production company, which obviously that's the case, he could have easily paid yeah. Artie to not have to go on the road to try to get his act together. Not saying that it is, it's his fault, but there are times where I've heard you say in quotes that 
it definitely didn't help for Artie's case. Yeah, but here's another thing. Yeah, but the whole thing is, if we didn't go on the road, we wouldn't have fucking great stories to tell, okay? That's so, so true. So a lot of that turned into a lot of great radio. So you have to look at it like that as a business that, you know, it's like you can't, you can't, okay, there's no way a comic is not going to work. I don't give a shit how much he's paid. He's just mm-hmm. going to get more, you know? He's going to go out and get more. It's just the way it is, you know? But he could have paid at the beginning. Yeah, he could have paid uh, Sal, Shuley, uh, Richard, uh, JD, more money. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, they, they could have made more, but there's a way to do it. There's a way to do things. You know what I mean? I've learned this over the years. You know, if you're going to bitch about it, talk to the person. Don't talk to everyone else because then it gets back and you, it's like it, by the time the story gets back, it could be changed the whole way. And mm-hmm. and that's happened to me. And I know it has because I know the way how it was to me and the way I was to him. So for it to end horribly, there was a lot of people involved in it, you know, and and that's just the way it is. It's like in the earlier days, you were able to talk to him more. You know what I mean? Talk about mm-hmm. whatever, you know. But, well, speak, but then you had to go through this person. Speaking um, of people getting in the way, you have a clip, Fillmore, of Gary doing just that. <laughs> well, I have many clips, actually. But uh, the one I was going to play was more in, in line with what you were talking about, the road stories. So this involves uh, Shuli talking about mm-hmm. the, crowds you, the crowds you would have. When I, when, when I first okay. started this tour, I, was, I would get so mad at the audience sometimes because they would just be out of control maniacs. And I'm thinking... What the fuck is wrong with these crowds? And then one day it just hit me. I go, we're putting fucking out of control maniacs on stage. Of course they're going to be fucking out of control in the audience. They're they're just as much as as we are. And and that's what's happening. It takes years off your fucking life. I mean, how can you tell an audience, look, just be quiet and civilized and listen when Beetlejuice is shitting on stage. That's what (laughs) (laughs) so that was going to lead into my question what was the what was the difference in Uh, the kind of crowds you would get when you had the circus like all the whack packers in instead of shows where it was just you and Artie, you know doing comedy straight comedy was it better worse indifferent you know what i can honestly say there wasn't much fucking difference it was just a bigger place (laughs) we did a bigger theater and and they were just loud. They would yell shit. Like, okay, one thing about CERN fans is, which you that you got to love them because they all think they're Howard. You know what I mean? So they think, oh, you you know what I mean? You're the host, sir. So you can handle me yelling at you. You know what I mean? And they'll just, they'll just yell at Baba Booey during the show. They did that with Artie. They, but, like, you know, they were brutal to some comedians. And some of them didn't make it through their time, basically. They, they were brutal. And I always had a good time with them. And I, I think at the beginning, you know, Julie might have felt that way. But, no, he loved them afterwards, you know. Everybody loved that audience. There was nothing like it. You know what I mean? When you were on the road, when you know what I mean, it was like you go to town and people see you. They flip out. And then they can't believe you're talking to them, which, you know, we I talk to everybody. But it's like... It was a different time, you know. It was it was like we were rock stars, yeah. and we lived like that. And that didn't help. That was probably the the main thing that 
uh, it was it was a fucking you know we were messes on the road. I mean, you land there, you're like, oh, get done the show, go to sleep, and then Saturday night we'll be ready. Next thing you know, you're up all night. We're partying all fucking night. Then you get a little sleep. You do the show Saturday. You go home Sunday. You're fucking out of it. Then you have to do. We had to do Miserable Men, and it just lasts for two days after that. That you come home to be normal, to be uh, a father. Just, and just one. Sec. It just doesn't fucking work. No, mm-hmm. just one sec, Bob and Sam. You can ask the next question, but in the meantime, I'm mm-hmm. going to find another clip that I found that I know Bob's going to laugh his ass off. Um, yeah, just one okay. sec. Uh, okay, road stories. Okay, let me just let me just find it. Wash your hands, <laughs> right? And, oh, and leave you, man. You talk to He goes, "We'll make them open a club." And I'm saying, "Let's go make them open up." So we make. The- okay, hold on. <laughs> I'll cue that up. Basically, yeah. I'll go through it. It'll take us a few, few like a minute or so to go through it, but it's worth it. Sam, did you want to ask okay. a question first before we go? I into think that? I know this. Yeah, so you were the not a question. I just was reading about and Mark's friggin. He used to go to all of your mm-hmm. shows, like especially in the early aughts, yeah. of like oh three, oh four, oh two, and he said that you had a divorce special in oh four, and he write he wrote that art. He goes, this was the first time that Artie's drinking was scary at points. Did you ever feel like that? that way too because mark usually never commented on the drinking that it was scary and then all of a sudden yeah. he started saying Artie became like his drinking was scary and i was like oh i wonder well, i mean more yeah. i wonder if the rest of the audience felt that way or did you feel that way well you know you know what i was probably just as fucked up as he was and so was the audience <laughs> you know yeah but yeah, I, I mean, there was shows. I remember one in there in South Jersey here. We do a show. I, I get off stage. I'm fucking, I kill. I get off stage and I go, where's Artie? And they go, he's laying on the floor under the table in the in the dressing room. And I was like, you got to get up. And I got to get up. And I go, you got to go on stage. He goes, you go back on. And I'm like, no, they want to see you now. They already seen me. And uh, he ended up going on stage and destroying destroying and it was like like it was a big uh, they have weddings there too at this place right and they had you know the lights that go on the front table it was it was strapped under the table and there was a guy with a big uh fluorescent bulb and he had it in his hand and he was poking arty with it (laughs) and it was like it was it was like out of control and then he was like was somebody on there poking me with a light you know it was but it was like that that's how it was you know it was the greatest time. The fans had the greatest time ever. And so so did we, you know. But we gonna, we, we lived it, like I said, like rock stars. I'm going to let you play the clip, Fillmore. I just had to add one more anecdote that I read that I thought was funny. When you used to travel in a car, I think it was with Norton, maybe, or Florentine. And he used to turn the heat up. You would be asleep, and he would turn the heat up really hot. And then you would wake up in a sweat, and you would be mad. And he did it like four times, and then he, you wanted to kill him. <laughs> yeah, that was Florentine, of course. That's one of his tricks. <laughs> okay, good. And, uh, he, would, he would do stuff like that. He... He would eat eggs. He he would eat eggs and bananas. That's all he ate, basically, like eggs and bananas. And then he he would let one go, a fart in the car, and then he would lock the windows, and you're gagging because it was like the worst smell ever. And then when we're driving far, he goes, I got to take a piss. I go, well, pull over. He goes, no, I I got a McDonald's cup. And 
and he, and he's and he's like I go and he's driving and he's pissing in a McDonald's cup, right? And and then all of a sudden he's like, uh, "Here, hold this for me." And it's like it's like to the top, and he's like, "Hold this for me." I'm like, "No, no." He's like, "You gotta hold it for me. I'm driving. You gotta hold it for me." And and and, and then he he the bottom just collapsed at it, and the piss went oh, all over his pants. God. So now. So now he's he took off his pants and he put them on the dashboard and blasted the defroster. So he basically drove in his piss hot piss pants smell until his pants dried. And then, I mean, he didn't care if this happened. He didn't care what happened. He just got a new car one time, and we just had breakfast. And I would just eat bacon. I loved bacon. I still do. And. And I was eating all this bait, and 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 he's picking his nose, and he's like holding it on his finger. I go, dude, I'm gonna puke, and he goes, I don't care, go ahead. And I puked in his car as he's laughing at his brand new car, you know, because it's not about it's not about cleaning it; it's about torturing me at that moment. And it was the most funniest thing ever. Well, there's one 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 of my favorite stories involves you, Artie. I think, and Florentine and, and maybe DePaulo was there in Scranton, Ohio or somewhere. And uh, you went to a fish restaurant and I guess on the menu they had a chalkboard and it said broiled scrod. So <laughs> Florentine goes over with the black magic marker. He adds a U-M so it says broiled scrotum. <laughs> <laughs> so, you see, I, mean, I don't even remember that one. I don't. Well, there's one where I already <laughs> talked about he was so fucked up. He went, you were on stage doing your set, and he went over and he, he got you in a headlock and he said, Get off stage right now. And <laughs> I mean, probably the, 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 stories are, the stories are legendary. So I'm going to let the baby gorilla have his say for just a few seconds. The guy open, we're sitting there drinking okay. our insaneies in Vernon Hills by ourselves, and then Levy realizes he doesn't have a clean shirt for the show that night. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> He goes to the guy, he goes, hey, is there a Target around here? And the guy goes, yeah, close the street. <laughs> we go to Target. <laughs> <laughs> you never saw two bigger losers in your life. Hold on, I got to break it up. Target. Uh, at 4 p.m., we got three Levy buys this awful, like polyester, three-dollar black shirt. You're <laughs> getting a rash. <laughs> he buys the guy. He's all drunk. Yeah, give me the shirt. Thanks. We stumble back. We keep drinking. We drink till like before the show starts. Uh, we are awesome. Awesome. Hold on. <laughs> and the first show is about I leave you like like drunkenly changes into the black shirt. Mm-hmm. He goes, and then he invites everybody from his message board George Stern show fans. Like yeah. I have three shows to do. I go they all have nicknames. I go, who's sitting in that seat? There's one seat. He goes, Oh, that's one I beat. He's yeah. uh, you know, like, <laughs> Because that's one I teach girlfriend. I'm like, well, tell him to leave. <laughs> okay, bear with, bear with us, guys. I'm sorry, this is a long one. <laughs> the names are so we're drunk, man. Leave me on stage with the shirt from Target. And I'm looking at <laughs> Ten minutes into it, I throw up laughing because the tag is still on the shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for that trip down memory lane, but I hope it was good. 
Ah, <laughs> oh, that was definitely good. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, you too drunk at a Target. <laughs> well, we 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 understand, of course, that you've since uh, bought, and actually, I think it was um, uh, Uncle Joey, Joey Diaz, who mentioned that you got on the program, and basically, you're not you're so you're completely sober now. No. <laughs> okay. uh, basically, no, basically, I did stop drinking uh, probably about 2008 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, yeah, and then uh, I went to my doctor, and he goes, yeah, he goes, he goes, that's good you stopped drinking. I go, I get a little nervous when I go on stage. So he goes, well, here, take this. And he had Xanax. And then he put me on six milligrams a day I would take. And that really fucked me up. And that was, uh, that was horrible. That stuff is horrible. And that, that led me to, like, it, it, was, it was a drug that if you were in a good mood, you were in a great mood. But if you were in a horrible mood, if you thought somebody was fucking you, you wanted them dead. And that's what I was going through near the end. And I just had to quit. I couldn't do the show anymore because I was going to kill. I was going to lose my mind. And uh, I finally got, I weed down from that, but I got off it like two years ago. I had to go to rehab to get off it. That's how addicting this shit is. Mm-hmm. And I, I've been off it, you know. And I have a, I'll have a drink. I'll have, you know, a glass of, of whiskey, but you know, I sip it now. I know how to go out and enjoy myself without getting fucked up. Mm-hmm. And I'll smoke weed for the pain. I do that for uh, when I was in pain from the uh, accident I was in, and that mm-hmm. really helped helped me. And I think most people should be on weed than taking these pain pills mm-hmm. and shit like that because they fuck you up. In the long run, you're going to be fucked up. You, you you totally change. You, you become re- very angry, and it's just it wasn't me. And uh, I, I I see it now, and I look back, and I'm like, wow, that that really took me for a spin. But you know, it's over now. What are we gonna do? You know, good on you, yeah. Bob. Sam, you yeah. had another question. Yeah. Benzos are no joke, though. By the way, people just think like Xanax is mm-hmm. kind of like you know Tylenol. It's not. I mean, it's really not. No, I mean, I took, I take, yeah. I was told by a friend who, when he, when I started taking them, he said, make sure you're not taking more than one milligram because you're just going to not be, you're not going to be functional. Now I take a half when I yeah. feel like I'm going to be in a high stress situation. I can't understand why the doctor would prescribe you six milligrams unless you had no tolerance. Yeah, for I would take, doses. well, I, I started probably at, at one, but for three milligrams a day. And then it was, then all of a sudden it wears off on you. Yeah. And like, I would take, I would, I remember taking three bars before I went on stage and I was fine. You understand? Jeez. Like it doesn't, it, it, it basically, I would go over on my six milligrams a day and then make up an excuse why I ran out and oh, be able to, I, Oh, I dropped it in the sink. I dropped it. It's a, it's, Drugs will make you fucking bullshit, and yeah. uh, and yeah. I never bullshitted, it. and it was like I'm t- I'm lying to my doctor now, but yeah, it, it totally fucks you up, and I don't recommend anybody getting on anything like that because it's it's the worst, man. It's the worst withdrawals, 
and to, to try to get off it. You can only go to jail or rehab to get the medicine you need to be able to wean off it uh, within, I think I did it in a week, which was, and I did it pretty fast, but it's those places, some of them, that was a real Jesus freak one that I was in, <laughs> and it was just getting too much, and they don't give you a phone, but I at least they knew who I was, and they, they let me keep the phone in the office, so I went in the office, I was able to make calls, yeah. and but it, it's a horrible thing, and they want you to stay longer, and I want to get out in that week, and they're like, you're going to die, and I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to die now, I know that. And then the first night I come home, I have anxiety so bad I can't I can't move. When you have anxiety, when you when you have uh, a withdrawal from that, or it, it gets into your mind that you're you, you you're having a withdrawal, you lose it so bad that it feels like if you move your finger, your heart is going to pop out of you. And I remember just laying on the floor. I got down to the floor, and my son came home, and I said, "We got to go to the hospital." And uh, I couldn't get up, so we had. Uh, I remember the dogs were in the bedroom with me. So I said, let me, I crawled out into the hallway. He closed the door with the dogs. The cops came in. They helped me outside, got me in an ambulance, got me there. And once they told me I was fine, they go, there's nothing wrong with you. Your blood pressure's right. Everything's right. Everything's perfect. I was able to calm down. It's the mm -hmm. kind of drug that fucking totally fucks, and fucks with your mind. And your mind controls everything else. And I was... I was awful, but, uh, you know, that was the end of it. I yeah. mean, I wish I can go and talk to people in schools, kids that never get involved with this shit because mm -hmm. you, you're going to get hooked on it. There's no doubt. I've done, you know, I've never done heroin. I've done Coke. I was never hooked on Coke drinking. I was never hooked on that. You know, I'm never hooked on this. This had you where you couldn't get off it unless yeah. you, you had the right medicine. Well, with regard with regard to that, Bob, um, and this kind of goes down a little darker path. Mm -hmm. I, uh, Norm Macdonald and maybe Chris Rock were two of the only celebrities that actually went on the Stern Show and told them to his face, "Look, Artie's in a bad place with Smack, and like you, basically, you guys are enabling him. You have to, you have to do something about this because there's no consequence." Same with Chris Farley. He got they Lauren Michaels would threaten him like, "You're going to get kicked off the show." you know, if you don't clean yourself up yeah. and things like that. Did you ever feel, obviously Artie's his own man, he's his own, you know, he makes his own decisions, but did you ever feel that the show was enabling him? And did you, did Artie ever express any, like, discontent over the show treating him like a fucking junkie for laughs? Uh, uh, no, I mean, I, I think he looked at it like that was his fault. And here's another thing. You're not going to threaten a junkie by telling him, we're going to get rid of you. Like, okay, you know, <laughs> I'll just do, I'll work on the road. You know what I mean? Like you're telling somebody that can make a huge living no matter what, as long as he shows up, he's going to make a, a, a lot of money. So you're not going to be able to do it. And at the beginning, I thought they were enabling, but then I look at it as the point from where I was that you, you, you really are, you, you, you don't have, a say you don't know what to do you think you have the ideas of how to get somebody off but then you're like i don't know what to do and and basically that's what happens like howard probably was like i i tried everything because we're not experts at this and i i put people through that when i was on the xanax and uh you know i finally got help and but it's like it's it's like how it 
you know, when I look back at it now, I'm like, you know, they, they wanted him to get better, you know, for sure. Yeah, you, but then, probably but say, they, hey, maybe if I did it. The thing is, Bob, but, they were playing the fucking heroin calls that he would call in on clearly fucked up and playing them for laughs. And then the song parodies about his drug addiction. And then later on saying, well, we didn't know he was high. I never and then, knew. And, and then washing bringing the out a bark, hands alo- bark lounger and come sleep in the chair. Exactly. <laughs> on the show. Yeah, that was fucked up. That The chair... Yeah, the chair one was the one where I kind of lost it and just said, you know, he's got fucking his parent, his mother listens, his family, you know. I said this is fucking too much, and that's when I, I said I quit. I did it on one of my shows, and uh, it was just out of control. Then it was just out of control. You couldn't. It, it was too many people there, too many people going through so many other people, and it 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 just wasn't fun for me. And I was like, I I, I can't deal with this anymore. Because I, I don't, you know what I mean? If I talk to somebody in real life or whatever, I expect to get an answer that, you know, a normal answer. You don't play games with me. And I was getting games played with me. And right. then they, you know, they realized that that wasn't a good thing to do. But, you know, it's like, it. it's like, you know, I don't blame Howard for hiring other people, but he should step up and say, you motherfuckers, you, you know what I mean? If if you say something that's totally something I didn't say or what I was thinking, and this person gets mad at me, you're putting my ass on the line. And that's what I think uh, it turned into up there. It definitely turned into that way for me. Mm-hmm. And well, uh, and it, it, you have to get, take your anger out of someone that might listen, and he was the only one that would listen. Well, we're going to definitely address the uh, the the tirade that you had to do on miserable men, and we have that clips for that. But Sam, you wanted to say, I, I think yeah. since Fillmore, since Bob's bringing this up, I you do have clips proving this. By the way, Fillmore, if you what, want to bring en- those up, what the enabling? No, not the enabling. How Bob's words were misrepresented, huh. and like how he, how it went around, how well. Yeah, well, of course, look, this was the story, according to, and I'm just going to read this for the the sake of the audience. Oh, oh, yes, I do. I will play them. Mm -hmm. Basically, you were explaining how, Uh for example, the, uh, just let's use the plugs, for example. You said that originally it was Mm -hmm. um, agreed that, well, you didn't worry about money. Just give me two plugs a week or two plugs a day, whichever it was. And then later on, Gary acts like, why isn't Bob grateful Mm -hmm. for these plugs? Why isn't Bob, it, the narrative changed, so I'm going to play the buoy clip so you can hear it for yeah. yourself, okay? Um, yeah, sure. You know, we're saying how we do all the stuff with Bob. This is like a subtle thing, but we give him the plugs and all that sort of stuff. And in the past, Greg Fitzsimmons mm-hmm. or Lisa Lampanelli or even Gilbert Godfrey will try to get on the show, and they can't get on the show, and they'll say, could you please, if you could, plug something? And you've heard us plug it. Sure. And always with the exception of Gilbert, because this isn't his DNA, I will get a thank you call or a thank you email. Hey, that was really nice. Greatly appreciated. Okay, one sec. But Bob just doesn't seem grateful. Well, mm-hmm. it, it, that's just, it, it's, it's almost like, you fucking owe me this. Of course you're doing my plugs. And I think the attitude, this has nothing to do with him being booked, by the way. Mm-hmm. But it's just a feeling I get. Like I, Bob has never like ever said to me, you know, I really appreciate all the plugs I get on the show. It really helps a lot. Uh, my point was, why should you have to be grateful if you agreed to do this? And what's Bowie talking about? Because he's a notorious yeah, I, bullshitter I, anyway. Well, I've earned those. Uh, that was a deal I made. And that's why, I mean, what am I supposed to do? Suck somebody's dick every time I walk in? I'm not that's like that. That's what Howard I'm, like. That's what that is up there. <laughs> well, no, no. I mean, it's not him. It's everybody else. 
And I'm not like that, okay? I earn those, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, I, I wrote bits. I fucking always worked on shit. I always was doing shit, helping out, you know? Well, because well, I was a is, team player. Yeah, this is gonna be, this is gonna play right into it. I'm gonna help you make your case. Leave with fucking mm -hmm. money. All I ask is to promote a fucking show, and it's a slap in the face. And Artie, I, and whenever we can't have Bob on, we always say, Fred, give Bob a plug. I mean, sure. I don't know. I don't know. I've always does been he, very gracious to Bob. Does he? I mean, I don't. Does you he know? call in like every week or once every few months? I don't know. No, no. But, but the fact of the matter is, what comedian can you name that we allow Fred to do plugs for right. when he just has a gig coming up? We do it because we like Bob. You That's know, the, the only reason. We don't. Do, when I'm not looking for Bob to do any work for free. He's not looking for you to do any work for free, but yet you did do shitloads of work for free. And we're going to talk about that with the regard to the roast at, at the very least. Yeah, I mean, the main thing is, is that we made a deal and that was it. You know, it, it's like it, it, it's like how I said, they don't do, you know, gigs for me, plugs for me that when I, you know, that weren't in the thing. They don't. I don't call in and say, can you do it? No, I don't. I never did that. I was allowed two weeks, two two plugs a week, and that's mm -hmm. how we did. And we wrote it up. Fred, uh, I sent it to Scott. Scott gave it to uh, Fred, and Fred cut the commercials. That was it. It was just with mm -hmm. the regular plugs at the end. That was the deal I made. Sam, well, here's the magic of being able to run the show. People uh, in the audience don't know that. So then he gets to develop this fake narrative, Gary and Howard, pretending like you should be thankful. And I don't do this for anyone, even though that was what the deal was. Now, Artie seemed to be in a rock and a hard place. So after Gary said that yeah. and, uh, you know, Howard saying this, it sounds to me like Artie and you had conversations probably privately about how fucked up this was and how it's mm -hmm. being presented because he knew the deal and it was yeah, coming across I mean, yeah, wrong he... on air. So what was that sort of like discrepancy? Like what did Artie have to say about that? Well, the whole, the, okay. The whole thing with the plugs came into the, like, this is me. I always, if somebody came to me, somebody came to me and said, Oh, I remember I, if I recall this perfectly, I remember Shuli just had a baby and he was like, I really need to make money this weekend. And I go, okay, we just got to get, we got to push. We got to get more. You know what I mean? And, and pushing was more on the message board. However, we can get the fans in. And then I said, let me see if I can sit in and, and, and get, and just sit in that day, you know, for the news. And Gary said, no, you were in recently. And I go, all right, well, why don't you let Shuli sit in? And he goes, why do I got to let Shuli sit in? I go, you know, he's having a kid. You know, he got a lot of stuff to talk about and that. And then he, he made it into a big thing when it was just basically me having a conversation with somebody. But that's the show. You understand? I get that. Right. You know, oh, of course, like when me yelling on the radio that night. That's me. That's me fucking 10 times me. Okay. Right. 20 times me. Because I have a show. I know what I'm doing. I know it's going to get on the air. So basically, I'm getting the plug that I didn't, that I wasn't allowed to get for us. But I ended up getting it. I'm talking about me, and everybody would go to Mark's Friggin, and we take out ads there, and like it, it, it just works. It's, you, it's the it, Streisand it, it, effect. It's a show. It's the Streisand mm -hmm. effect. If it's a show. Ever... 
Yeah. Yeah. And actually, like, uh, now we were thinking, like, we're like, okay, we have to, we have to wrap up, we have to wrap this up. And Mm -hmm. to wrap it up was to do something embarrassing that people thought it was embarrassing. Like, and me and Sal washed Gary's feet in a thing. You remember that? That was, that was, that, that was the end of it. That's how it came around. And to Mm -hmm. say, okay, everything's cool. But, you know, it's, it's, it's like when something happens, it, it, it's radio. It, it's okay. entertainment okay, as so much as it is real. As, it, question, as much as it's real. Okay, so my question to you is mm-hmm. this. If the rant, the tirade was partly correct, like it was partly true, but mostly you being, you know, like yeah. trying, to, trying to get a pop, was Howard aware it was a bit? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was, it wasn't a bit. It was like you don't – okay, here's the whole thing. Like people – crying behind scenes wanting more money yeah it turns into a bit because of the fact you got caught you know and basically i knew i was going to open up a can of worms most likely unless mm-hmm. howard took my side and went after gary and and said why didn't you have men but that's the chance you take and you know when you want to do great radio you just go all out with your heart and you know you get yourself uh, worked up and that's that's what happened all the time. You know, there was never anything that I remember that was set up. I'll tell you well, that. You know, well, so you, I don't remember you're, you're anything playing, being set up. You're playing career tra- chess, though, in a way. Then yeah. if you don't know how Howard's going to react, you are playing career chess. You know, <laughs> like, you're risking mm. that. If yeah. he doesn't know. Yeah, but the whole thing, yeah, but the whole thing is with Howard, there was, you know, that wasn't going to be the, that wasn't the end game. You know what I mean? There's no way right. that was going to be the end game because um, of just the way he, he was. He's not one to just fire you or say you can't come on anymore for something like that. That's entertaining. People love to hear people fight. And that's just, a, that's what made that the greatest show. At that time, uh-huh. there was always fighting. There was always something. And it, that's what made it great. And that's what people want to hear. So, so here's the here's the kind of bullshit you get to hear from the uh, the wig the wig himself. Bob gets a Bob gets a oh my God. Bob gets a daily plug on this show, and I'm not even sure why. Why does he get a daily? Because, plug? Because he was doing a lot of stuff with the roast, and I don't know. You know what? The well, squeak, done I got to tell you something. The squeaky wheel. He pounds away and pounds away and pounds away, and we're like, okay, we'll give. Like he asks for it. So, okay, so this is Gary throwing you under the bus, and how and how it's throwing why. you under the bus when they both know that this was a no. It's all, it, yeah, it, yeah. It was no. I mean, like H- Howard could have forgot about that. That was like a Tim walking in and go, "This is what Bob wants." Okay, during a break, you understand? Yeah, it could have been as simple as that. Okay, mm-hmm. so I, I, you know what I mean? But yeah, Gary know exactly what's going on because it goes through Tim and Gary, and then it goes to Howard. And somebody, one of those two would ask him and they come back and was like, you got it. And I remember it, you know, and yeah, of course, they're going to play it up. Why? Why? Mm -hmm. In case people are wondering, sorry, Sam, I'm just going to color it up for a few people because we have we have listeners from Mm -hmm. way back from 82 of the show. And then we have listeners that just started in 2010, et cetera, uh, with 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 regards to Stern. So they're Mm -hmm. kind of filling in the holes. The basic the basic premise was. 
uh, Chuck Zito had a plug for a charity. I think it was, I can't remember, it was a boxer. I can't remember. The, maybe it was Arturo Gotti plug or something like that at the time. And it was a huge, mm-hmm. long plug. And Wiggy was complaining about it, saying, what's with this fucking one-minute plug? And, you know, he was, he was just bitching about it. And I don't know where that came from, but that's, that's the context. So he's not going to go after Zito. He's going to go after Bob. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did, well, that's what plug- it is. And, and I'm there. And, and I'm I'm like I'm a phone call away, and I'm going to pick up because I knew I would wake up and be there with listening to the show at six in the morning. Have a book out, writing shit on AIM with Gary, Sal, Truly, Richard. Would any Dan the Song parody man? Would, and just go. What about this? What about this? What, okay, we're going to do this, and that's that's how the day was spent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam. Did the plugs on the show to you become less valuable when you went to Sirius and the audience kind of diminished? Like, I mean, you're going from, I don't know, what was it, like 40-something million people? And then I think Sirius, the Arbitron ratings, I think in like 2007 when they came out, were like 1.5 million a week. Yeah, listeners, total Mm -hmm. listeners in a week as opposed to his, his, you know, millions of way more than on terrestrial radio because there at one point in 2008 you guys were saying that the shows weren't being well attended and you were going out of pocket to pay everybody else and uh, that was during the well, some think, shows so, yeah so was that my question that, is do you think yeah. that the do you think that your plugs that now they're complaining about that they're doing do you think that they were less valuable well, when we first started, here's one thing that uh, anybody that was a stern listener that didn't come over, they listened somehow, okay? Whether it was on tape or something like that, or they, they read about this show on MarksFriggin.com, and uh, they knew what was coming on. And when we went to a town that Howard was on, those radio people would suck our dicks to come on. So now we're in the town where Howard Radio, where his uh, where his show was on, and we were able to go plug stuff on the morning show there or whatever the afternoon show. Mm-hmm. So no, it really didn't. It what affected what affected the show was basically the show. I mean, yeah, you know, Tell it was. Me about it, it. <laughs> I mean, you 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 went no like the comedy shows were like. The first time we went to Boston, we had a thousand people. Then we had seven hundred. Then we had yeah. five hundred. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I see what the problem is. It's just not. It it, it was more of uh, it was more of an evening than uh, I I would say a few of us were comedians. Maybe me, Shuli, and if Florentine was on it, but the rest were just you know whatever so, they did. Yeah, you know. Then you started you started going on Opie and Anthony, which I'm a huge fan of theirs, and I still listen to Compound Media with Kumia. I'm, I've had a subscription uh, since the beginning. I love him. Um, and yes, he's great. The shows obviously like had a, this running feud, and during the merger, mm-hmm. I I remember it was uh, Miserable Men, and Tim Sabian said you couldn't have Jim Norton on. Mm-hmm. And then he yeah, changed yeah. that, but you couldn't mention Opie and Anthony. Why were they so scared of Opie and Anthony? You know what? Like I said, too many people. This isn't Howard telling me this. This is somebody else telling me this. And I'm like, look, I said, people are going to come over to us by hearing us. 
with Norton. You know what I mean? More than going over because Stern fans are locked in, but people were listening to Miserable Men because we were like something different. You know, we weren't, we really didn't try not to talk about the show too much mm-hmm. unless we had somebody from the show on. But it was like, it was building momentum really good. And it was stupid. And I, I just said it's stupid. It's like, what are you worried about? You know, there's nothing to worry about. And, uh, but, but I, I truthfully wasn't allowed to go on O&A and Howard at the same time. I wasn't allowed to. I was told, I can even remember the thing, you, uh, you're not part of the family, but you are part of the family. You may not get paid to be one of us, but you're one of us. It was something so, like that. And, was, that from, was that from Tim? Yeah. <laughs> that was Gary explaining it to me. Jesus Christ! Yeah, and I wonder. Yeah. He basically I wonder, said I wonder, that you know, but I, I who's explaining it to him? Well, there's a clip I, you maybe have, nobody. That's the whole thing. There's a clip you have of uh, Gary yeah. and Howard discussing this about going on Kid Chris, and he say, and then and then the clip you can play it for Bob uh, about how, how about this. You're in, but you're not really in. You're in I'm, for when I need you, and then if you go on somewhere else, I'm gonna yell at you. Yeah, and I, I don't know if I'm going to play that clip, really? but, Oh, yeah, let me see. I'll see if which, which, which clip it is. Just one sec. Like, I think, by the way, I proposed and making him the roast master was a big thrill for him. Uh, maybe well, you should take him off I, that. I think the point for Bob is if no. <laughs> now for money. And, right. But, you know, and it is that one. Bob, so has been loyal loyal Bob isn't so loyal to the show. He was on Kid Chris's almost every day. And I hear through the grapevine that yeah. part of what's freaking him out, this is what the guys in the office were telling me, is that now that Kid Chris isn't on, right. it's it's freaking him out because he's got right. less places well, to that's be. What I See, but I think he figured that Kid Chris was a friend huh? of the show. I don't know what no, 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 no. Told well, by Bob. the way, we never said to Bob, don't go on there, but right. if he's so loyal. I'm... Okay, is that true, Bob? So Did he... they say... Did they say, uh, you know, you, you can do... Or did they not mention it at all and you figured it was okay? I was on, okay, when, at, at some points, I was, when Kid Chris was in San Antonio, I was on on the computer live with the phone. I would listen to it on the phone. I would write for the other acts. I would do six to ten on that, and, mm-hmm. and then uh, then listen to Howard later, okay? I mm-hmm. was, that, that was more of my thing that I was doing. And, I, I mean, I, I brought in Kid Chris the first time, to be on Howard. He's never been on Howard. And I brought him in uh, one time, and then he was sat in when uh, we had that crazy stripper and the guy... uh, Crystal Clear. That one. uh, (laughs) With Crystal Clear. That was one of the best things ever. And... But yeah, I mean, I was with... I was with Chris for... I was with Chris in San Antonio, so how can you say he's not on the air in philadelphia when he came to philadelphia i was with him right off the bat I, me and him did the first two shows live you know because the guys weren't there but the thing and, is you, uh, so, i was the so, same thing writing finish the clip Fillmore. well there's only a little left but either way uh mm-hmm. okay i'll just it's only a few seconds i mean uh you know stay on our show but no i don't have a problem with him doing that i don't sit in tantrum and go you did another show Okay, but that well, sounds like a problem. That sounds like <laughs> a, just, that sounds like a huge problem. Like yeah. you're saying, you're saying that I don't have a problem. But if you're so loyal, I mean, you're fucked if either way. Yeah, 
Well, that's what, you know what I mean? It comes out like that on the air, for sure. It's going to come out that way. And when you're listening to it at home, you fucking get mad. You get really mad. But now I can understand it more. I understand what it is, you know? Of course, he—he he, they wouldn't be talking for 15 minutes about me if it wasn't, if it was all nice. It doesn't make any sense at this point now. So I understand that now. But when you're listening to it, I mean, that was a show that, your mood would change from fucking the happiest in the fucking world to, oh, my God, I, I can't even go to the store. I feel embarrassed. You know what I mean? That's what well, happens. That's what happens when you're on shows that level. Well, OK, fair enough, Bob. But what we're basically saying is there we wouldn't exist if there are certain things that just didn't happen over the years that when people listen back and they're listening with more information than they had because he wasn't being completely transparent. Mm-hmm. That's Howard that they get angry about, like, uh, you know, missing Gary's dad's wake. Uh, because Beth, you know, broke her, you know, she she broke a hoof and, um, you know, and and things like that. Or um, with Artie, the whole enabling thing uh, or just, you know, mocking his his addiction, which, you know, is is a serious thing. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you, I I, I know this is a little off topic because I wanted to, I don't know how much time we got with you, but uh, one of our Mm co-hosts and is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful person, Raven, she is a huge Beetlejuice fan. I wanted to ask you what the story, yeah. what, what was it like being on the road with him? Because it sounded on the Marks Friggin interview, it sounded like you were very protective of him. Oh, yeah, it had to be, you know, because people would try to give him, like, a whole glass of scotch. And if he drank that, he'd be, he'd almost die. And I'd have to watch and just everything. And, uh, I mean, I mean, he was like, when you were with him, like, he would stay at my house a lot. He would watch TV. He'd cook. He'd barbecue. He'd, he'd he'd barbecue at my old house and go swimming with my son when he was young, and just play catch with him on the other side of the pool. Aww. And he said, "You be nice to your dad. He's a good man." You know what I mean? Aww. And I and I remember when Beetlejuice, like he he never got paid. Actually, no. I would yeah. give the check to his his management or uh, what's the name that was managing him? Sean. Before uh, what's his name? Before Sean, Sean died, uh, no, Sean would get it, and then uh, and and what's the name? I forget her name now. But they, they were together, and either one would pick him up. I give him this chat, and Beatles Juice would be like, "How come I'm not getting? Because you see everybody getting paid, you know?" Yeah. <laughs> and I, I I said, "We'll figure something out." And I I go, I I go, you got a headshot or something? And we got we got like pictures online, and I brought them to a place, and I made like a hundred copies. And I go, you're going to sell these after the show for $20 each. And that's all your money. And he's like, you got it. And, you know, and he would just, he would, he would go, yeah. They, they go, how much for a, a picture? He'd go, $5. I go, no, it's 20 because he'd be right next to me. <laughs> and he would have a fucking, he would pull out a wad of money in the, in the room, like, uh, you know, like 700 bucks. And it'd be like, yeah, did pretty good. And like, if he wanted, to go out and buy a new cell phone or fucking batteries or Walkmans or whatever, the headphones he would get. He would buy them almost every time. And whatever he wanted to spend his money on, that's up to him. You know? That's his money. And if Mm -hmm. he wants to... And he always wanted to feel like a man. And that's why, you know, he would come home. I remember, like, after a show, he'd come in the room and he'd come in with this big bag. And I'd go, what's that? He goes, I got us some Chinese food. And he must have bought... 
for me and him, about a hundred dollars worth of Chinese food oh. back then. Wow. That's we love so Beetlejuice, sweet. actually. We and we're happy he's uh, he's uh, uh, not no. doing the show anymore because they stopped. They never paid him anyway, and I think he's making money on. Is it TikTok, Sam? He's making money on TikTok and is Cameo, he? and uh, he's making such a good living that really? he doesn't need the show. He won't return their calls. Yep. Really? See, I don't know. I haven't talked to him in ten years, and mm-hmm. I do miss him so much. I mean, mm-hmm. he. I mean, I was. I was enthralled by him like i mean when i like when when he when we hung out it was just a different him we'd watch a movie on tv and he's like oh, i can't believe he did that to that girl that ain't right you know but he knew what was going on he was a yeah. lot smarter than people thought it's the sure. way that you talk to him to get yeah. out the knowledge from him and i thought he was the most unique person i ever met in my life and there's yeah. never going to be somebody like him again i mean there's no way I mean, that motherfucker is fun. Yeah. Hall Another person. So, yeah. Sorry, Fillmore, for sure. Uh, Yucko the Clown, uh, you guys did the meanest mm-hmm. listener. Um, and he was obviously yeah. like a regular part of the show. I just wanted to ask this because to me, he's such an interesting character, kind of like a sad life, but super yeah. funny. Obviously, you could never have him on anything anymore because of, you know, today's culture is just re- goddamn ridiculous. But uh, did he have any uh, similar gripes of like other people on the show about uh i'm doing stuff for the show should i be getting paid was there what was their setup with yucko how did that all work out and uh did you guys do more than like the meanest listener thing together you did more shows or yeah i mean basically okay the meanest listener thing it was 25 grand and a new truck right and it was coming down to the end and I, i i see him in the back and i go hey i go me or you are going to win this. I go, so what do you th- say we just split it? You know what I mean? Whoever wins. Yeah. And I remember he had me sign something. I go, okay. And I, I, I signed it. And uh, that's why I was so comfortable. I was so calm. Like, it didn't matter who won. But, like, he always said, I wanted that title, you know? But to, to, to see Yucko in that clown outfit, that was not him at all. And yeah. that, that was the furthest thing from Yucko. In the world. Uh, Yucko was the nicest guy in the world. But he was quiet. Really? He was shy. And uh, that. But when he would put that thing on. He'd scare you. He'd scare you with that shit on. Off it. Not at all. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You'd be like who's this little fuck? You know? But when he had that on. It, he played that so perfectly. I've never seen anything like that. That somebody can just go into character like that. Um, and we, he started coming on the road with us, and he got paid. You know, he got, he made money on the road. And, yeah. you know, we started selling stuff after the shows and stuff like that, and it was more money. Yeah, you guys, did a, bene- now? You guys did a benefit for his uh, parents' uh, house, I believe, at one point. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Now he's, uh, I think he's doing cartoons. I'm, I'm not, you know what I mean? When, when you leave the show, you kind of leave the show. That's the way I, it is, you know. I was gonna, I was Nobody gonna ask you, Bob. Get in trouble talking to you. Well, that was that was gonna be the point. Did you ever hear overtly, like, or get a text message from Richard or Sal saying, "Look, we love you, but we can't have anything to do with you. We're under orders." Anything like that? Uh, more like I don't want to lose my job. 
you know, something like that, which I didn't understand at the point because of the fact that when I have somebody's side and I'm friends with somebody, I'll take a bullet with them, you know? And, you know, whether, you know, if I, if it's like, if I told the truth, I'd lose my job. So Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, whatever, you know? And I guess that's how it is in the world. I don't know. I didn't come from that. So it was shocking to me. Uh, I have a roast related question. There's a couple of roast questions, but um, mm-hmm. the w- when they started, you said in an interview that they were originally supposed to be a separate show. My question, first, for the, yeah. where that's re- re- where that's concerned is, how did they expect to have a separate show for the roast if they weren't going to pay any of the performers? Well, it was just a show that you know we were going to have on there. And, you know, it was early. It was early. It was everybody coming up with stuff and just putting mm-hmm. it together. And it was going to be on Howard 101. We right. were going to tape it. We were going to have a live audience and all that stuff. We were all ready to do it. And two days before, I get a call. Howard wants to do it live on the air. And I was <laughs> that's like, or- that's organized. And they're, and they're like, there is, no, there is no but, but, but. There is no but, but. But it was, it was a great move. And I just wish that they stayed in the... Uh, the order I had it in, you know what I mean? I wanted to do Ralph. I wanted to do Scott next, but I think we did, we did Ralph. We did somebody else after Ralph. I forget who it was. Maybe Ronnie. Uh, I'm thinking, I'm thinking it was Ronnie, uh, but I wanted to, I wanted to go Ronnie Scott because Scott has so many things you can hit him with and it would have been great. But then Daniel Carver came up and I was like, this is not going to work. Because gonna, you can't you can't roast a racist. Well, this is the thing. Now, the roast the Chevy Chase Comedy Central roast proves that if the person's not likable, it's never going to work. It's always better if it's some somebody that people mm-hmm. like. Uh, and so, my question yeah. to you regarding the Daniel Carver roast, and I'm going to play your thoughts on the wrap up show about it. But was um, mm-hmm. was that idea from Howard and and uh, Gary, or did was that their move? Like, wait, let's do Daniel Carver. Was that their push for sure? Well, well, it. I remember sitting in Tim's office, and it was more like, "We will get national newspaper. This will get written all over the place." And I go, "But this ain't going to work." You know what I mean? But it was like, you know, at the beginning, the promotion was huge. You know, and if you got extra promotion to fucking to to have something that people are paying for, that helps out the the product. And yeah, I understood it, that, but I understood that it wasn't going to work. Sam? I have a really hard time believing people that are in this entertainment mm. business who realize a roast isn't, it's an honoring. That's mm-hmm. what a roast is. That's right. why it works. So the person that you're <coughs> roasting, you genuinely love. That's why yes. Rickles was so great at it. That's why all the yeah. best roasts work because it's an honoring with humor and some slams and yeah. really good ones. It should and be from also friends. the Done people on the dais. Yeah. It's, it's a great, you know, cyclical thing. When you roast Daniel Carver, a racist, you're honoring a racist? I mean, because that's essentially what a roast is. It's not going to be funny. So that's I don't right, know. Man. I don't know how all well, the adults in show business ever thought this was a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I definitely didn't think so, especially when they said, I want like a lot of black comedians. And I'm like, OK, well, how many do we really have on the show right now? Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, I had to find comedians that 
did not know the Howard Stern show on a mm -hmm. daily day. You know what I mean? Yep. They didn't yep. know what was going on. They didn't nope. know. I had to explain. He was a he, he's a KKK guy, and that's it. And now he they're just going to your white piece of shit, and that's yeah. it. And he's just sitting there. And I remember after the roast, he goes, he goes, thanks, Bob. That was entertaining. I had a fun time. And and he every time somebody was getting mad at him that was black. He would go, he would just use the N-word on him at the end. And he just bury it with that. And yeah. there was there was no way you can get to him. And like Art most of the people that knew him wasn't on wasn't on it. Artie Artie told a story about how one I think Earthquake might have been late coming in and uh Daniel just said something like Yeah. You? <laughs> I mean No, he was, said, you know what he said? He said he said typical typical N-word. Yeah. Oh, for fuck. That's me. what he said. So here's uh, your thought. Here's that's what he said, but you can't, you can't beat him. Here's your clip on that. Now, Bob, what do you mean mm -hmm. that they changed up on? Well, I, I definitely thought it was too early to do Daniel. I thought we should have done Scott because he's a likable guy, and the roast you want to fuck with people, but, but, you want to have a good time. But, you know? And the discussion about that was, you did Ralph, you did Ronnie, you do Scott. It's all the same stuff. It's a, it's an inside guy. It's the same crap. No, you it's know, not. Like even already said, you get five guys, six guys throw Scott. You could pretty much write the jokes. They're yeah, but the thing is that everybody, every one of those people he mentioned have a ton of shit you could talk about and write about. Daniel, no one really knew that much about Daniel outside of a few people. And the only yeah, reason and why the whole they thing was is that with Scott, there was probably ten things. Yeah, and that's what you, that's the audience you're going for. So of course you want to do somebody from the show. It just mm -hmm. made sense, and you can't try to argue with me on the point which he was trying to do that the, the audience got tired of it. No, the, I had to get the audience back after that, and I had to go. I think I had to go to Gary next, and I and and I then I went to Artie, and it just fucked up the whole order. You know, I, yeah. I wanted to do Sal and Richard in a, in a love chair. That was my thing to do them together on a love swing. Yeah. So what what went into planning those roasts? Well, it was basically making phone calls. Gary would make some phone calls. I'd make some phone calls. And then, like, everybody up there would write, you know, and they would be like, you know, I got this. Or I'm working on this. What can I do here? How can I make this better? And then we go over it. And then if somebody said, well, I got a joke like that, I'd go, I'll take it out. I don't care. You know what I mean? Because it doesn't, you know. I'm just hosting it. I don't, you know, it, it was for me to try to get everyone to be able to shine. So I would go over and say, here, do this joke, do this. And, and it, it works like that. Cause you work it as a team and uh, it, it was good. I mean, it could have, it could have went further, but it, I, I don't, I don't even know why it stopped at a certain point. Maybe that was it, when the end came. I, I I'm guess. pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's because Beth got shrapnel in the roast, uh, a lot of it from the Sal joke. And yeah. that's one of the questions I had to ask you. Was there ever any blowback from after the roast in terms of you shouldn't say that, don't don't go after that person? I mean, comedians know who not to go after, but Sal huh. went after anybody. And Gilbert certainly would have. Well, it was great for us. Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah, I mean, Sal was easy to, if he said something, go, yeah, I'd do it. And he'd do it. Because it was easy, you know, yeah, everybody would agree. And, and he, he would do it. And that was the funny part of it, too. And we'd all cringe. Yeah, I mean, you know, truthfully, uh, Beth isn't part of the show. You know what I mean? You can go after her. But it's like, go after Howard. You know what I mean? 
Go after mm-hmm. that's what people want to hear. But if you get the the little shot, yeah, a, a little shot uh, or a big shot, you know, it's okay. It's it's okay too, and you can't get mad. But I, I guess people would say, hey, you know, he's the he's the big guy. What are you doing? You know, like other people. But I don't remember Howard ever saying anything. But there was people saying, you know, you can't, you shouldn't do that. You know, uh, but uh, you know, it's like. There's no rules there. That's what I was told. There was no rules. Let's okay. go. Let's do it. Sam, funny. Sam, we used to we used to like it when it was no rules. Now it's just garbage. Was uh, there a roast that you liked the best? Uh, I I thought Gary's was really good. Robin's was really. I think we did Robin, right? Oh, no, I, I remember Robin was always part. Okay, no, we didn't she do was Robin. Part of it, but she Every, always Robin got shrapnel. Was, she got it big time every time. That's what it was. I remember me and Artie going in, and he goes, poor Robin. I, I forget where we were sitting, and he's like, she gets fucking murdered every show. And and she did. Uh, and, you know, that's why I thought we roasted her. But, no, we stopped after Artie. And, you know, the hard, you know what the next hardest one that I thought was going to be that was going to be impossible to, to roast was going to be Fred. I really thought Fred would be impossible to roast. Because you can't get to him. You can't get any emotion. You can't get emotion out of him. You're not going to get any emotion out of him. Oh, you can. It just depends what you tell him. (laughs) Yeah, but the whole thing is, is that took Howard years to get that out of him. That took when Howard finally found the shit that would get to him. It took him years to get that. And Fred will just sit there. Cool. Boom. And then rip us apart. So like the jokes wouldn't go over, you know, You'd run out. There wasn't a lot. You know, I knew that he liked music. We talked music. We talked having kids. Like during the breaks, we talked about stuff like that, just normal stuff. So I really didn't know too much about him. And I don't think a lot of other people that would have been roasting him would have been able to to take him apart in in a way that, you know, he doesn't put himself out there as much. Uh, DePaulo was absolute an absolute monster on that Artie roast. I think his one that killed me was uh, what's the best thing about Robin's boat uh, is that it has a stern that she doesn't have to pretend is funny. Um, <laughs> but oh, God, uh, yeah. the, the Artie roast was legendary, and it was the only one I think you guys filmed at night and everybody was drinking. Is that correct? Yeah. Oh yeah, everybody was. Uh, we realized that was well. Howard realized that was a bad idea, but a good idea at, yeah. at the same time. Uh, yeah, every you know, I remember Richard was loaded, you know, and I remember <laughs> I was throwing up in the garbage can because he was picking his nose and putting it up in front of me and I was throwing up and it was like, we're in a studio, we're in a millions of dollars studio and we're acting like fucking <laughs> frat boys, you know, yeah. and it was out of control, but it was, it was unbelievable. It was like, when I look back at it now, when I listen to the tapes, when I watch on YouTube with my wife, I'm like, man, we were fucking doing the best shit. Uh, you know, maybe that wasn't the biggest years in Stern. Maybe it was with Billy West and all that shit. But mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, if if this wasn't the best, we gave it a run for the money in those fucking 10 years. You know, oh, there's great. no doubt about that. Because Sam? I know that was great radio every day. As a super fan, um, I they're just two different entities and I didn't grow up in the like I didn't listen to it in the early 90s so Artie era was my was my era and 
even listening to the Jackie stuff back with the uh, Billy West and the Marge shot shit and everything else and the OJ mm-hmm. trial going on. I mean, it, it's all amazing each era, but I do have to say, yeah. I love, I, I love your guys the best. I mean, what am I going to say? It's the best was what, what was the genuine feeling surrounding? Like when Jackie came back for, I think it was the Gary roast. Was that weird at all? Was there a vibe? No. That's you know good. what? I thought it was great. I I, I knew Jackie because when I started doing comedy, he was the host of the open mic and that. And then, you know, he when I got on the show, he wasn't there. But but it, it's a great thing. It's a great thing for the audience. And when he had his uh, the joke land show, whatever it was, uh, you know, on, on Howard 101, it was just mm-hmm. a smart move. You know, hey, fucking forget about shit. A lot of people can't forget about shit. I'm I'm one that forgets about it. You know what I mean? I was mad for a long time, uh, a long enough time, I would say. But mm-hmm. right now, I I, yeah. I could give. It was the best time. It was the best time you could have being an entertainer right. for me. You know that and the Kid Chris show was 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 the best. You know what I mean? And now I have the Kumia show. I can do whatever the fuck I want now. I'm doing my own show, a podcast now. But I'm gonna. I'm coming back. I got back from the accident. I've been out for four years, basically, yeah. working on shit. I had my neck surgery. Uh, I'm feeling great. I'm ready to come back huge again. And that's my thing. My thing was either to do that or retire. And I talked to my wife, and I said, look, you can just stay home, and I can go out there. And, you know, I go, if that's what you want to do and you want me to do it, uh, I want to do it. And she goes, yeah, I want you to do it. I, I love what you do, you know? And I'm a different person now. I'm just, uh, uh, I don't need everything, you know, whether <laughs> hey, it was Bob. drugs, alcohol, women. Yeah. I don't is, need everything anymore. Is the, I have a question. Uh, is the fridge st- still stocked with the uh, mm-hmm. blue cheese? No, 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 no. I don't even like blue cheese, really. That's why I would do it. But those well, t-shirts yeah, but you made—you like, like, you had these t-shirts. They were amazing. It was like a, a platter. It looked like a platter, and there was a butt on it. And you're like standing above it. Oh, I mean, you know amazing. who did that? that? Who? That was Mike Morse. Did that, Mike Morse? Oh, I, oh, wow. I would say, can you draw this? And and if you just gave him the idea, boom, it was there. Like he was doing my CDs, my I I hate people shirts in like nineteen ninety eight, ninety nine or something before I went on there. And but the yeah, that I remember I still have holy shit, you're gonna laugh. Look, I can show you because we're <gasps> oh watching God, this. Look yes, at this right here. That's here it, it is. That's, <laughs> that's it. That's the one. You, you know what? Can you know you what this a, is? Can, this can is the a, last can you send a picture of it later on uh, it? so I can, so I can use it. We don't use videos, oh, yeah. but I, I do make like a, a montage of videos and stuff to uh, help people along on the YouTube channel. The podcast just uses audio though. Yeah. Because it says Moss on the, on the bottom. Let me see the date. It's, it's, it's ripped up a little bit, but it says 2002 and it's signed by me because of the fact this is the last one. I just, I found it. And it's a, it's a mouse, uh, a mouse pad. Yeah. That's what it is. And it says, I love Heine. And it says, God Heine on top. And I have a <laughs> so knife and fork in my hand. And it's, and it's right next to me. Can you believe that? Like, I, I, it was in another room and I found it in a drawer. And I'm like, this is like, uh, I go, Honestly, God, you just start laughing when you think of the memories. 
Yeah. Bob, with like, you know, wet ass pussy being a single, I think you can start selling those on T-shirts again. You can make a killing. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Put it on Tee Public and go nuts. Well, well yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm ready to go back and do what we do online, what people I know what people want. So that's what I'm trying to do with the one show. I'll be adding more shows. I'm working with Pat Dixon, too. But I can do so many shows because I love radio, and I want to build a studio. You know, I have a little bit of a studio, but we never finish it here. But we're probably moving to Florida, and I'm going to have a guy come down and build me a studio in the house. And I, I told Pat Dixon, I said, come on, man, let's move. And he's like, sounds good to me, you know, because... New York City ain't going to come back for a long time. And no. that's, that was the one reason he moved there, Yeah, you know, to do comedy there. And he's on the uh, Cumia show, but he can do that from anywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's like I, I want to go to Florida, kind of take over the comedy world down there. I'll be able to, you know, just promote, do the shows myself, full wall, all of it. And put like the best comedians in because I think people deserve to see the best comedians instead of the horse shit that they see a lot of times. So that's what that's my plan. And I'm talking to some of my favorite comedians and saying, hey, would you like to be part of this? And it Um, could be pretty amazing. I I know you're too. Your legendary uh, s- stories with uh, Jim are, ma- are, you know, just just hysterical. Yeah. Can you explain? Can you please explain the term, the load warriors, and uh, <laughs> tell at least one story of road uh, pussy? <laughs> well, we were, you know, I, I used to be a big wrestling fan. So, you know, I still am, I guess. So, but uh, <laughs> I, I just said the load warriors, and I go, we're the legion of goo because they were. <laughs> The Legion of Doom, and uh, and like we would go, like we had everything set up. It was like if we went to a strip club, we'd go, we'd call up and say, "What time did the, da- the last dances go on?" Right, and then we'd go there like ten minutes before, so we were new to everybody, you know, to the girls, and we would get drinks, and then. They would close up, and then we go. What are you doing? Okay. Oh, we have we had we had rum or something. <laughs> we had beers. We had them in a we had them in a bathtub on ice and that. And and what we do is, he he's like, we got to get rid of these chairs. And I'm like, what do you mean get rid? Of it? And we we just started. We we take the table and the chairs and put them on the balcony or in front of the door, like in <laughs> out in the hallway. And where the TV was, where you can sit on the on the wood, we put our luggage up there. So when they got there, they had to sit on the bed. <laughs> so we didn't have to lord them over to the bed after a half hour or something like that. And we would never take them out to eat because that was the night was over because they would start sobering up and thinking maybe they should go home and that stuff. And then we would walk them <laughs> through the lobby of the hotel to the front desk and say goodbye and the guy i remember one time this guy seen us doing this every night and <laughs> and he thought we were like fucking we were like the beatles and that but we would do that so they never said that something happened because we had somebody to say it that no they left she, the girl left and she was happy and whatever and and the last night we're, we're at this place and i look i'm looking for jim and i look up and i see 
I see him with this big grin on his face, and I thought he was like standing next to a shig- cigarette machine, but it was a fat chick. And <laughs> and then he, he we we ended up bringing her back to the room, and he he's laying in bed with her, and the lights are off, and then we start making the train noise, choo 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 choo, and it was the funniest thing. And in the morning, he probably did the funniest thing I ever seen in my life. We we couldn't walk her through the front door because the guy thought we were fucking, you know, gods, right? Right. So Jim pulled the car around. We got her out the side. He got her in the car and he had her duck for like the first five miles. So nobody's <laughs> seen her because the guy... And, it, it, it was just like it was like it was yesterday. Now I'm thinking, you know, like I lost like certain memory from the car accident, but yeah. a lot of it I do remember the magic. I I do remember <laughs> remember everything. Like like everything that I was telling you guys, you had it on tape, and I didn't even know you had it on tape. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I basically answered it the same way that that uh, I did today than I did back then. And so, like, I kind of remember those things, but I kind of blanked out of what years they are and, like, two years that before the accident. Right. Uh, of, you know, I had no idea when I got divorced. When It was weird. I had to ask, you know, or when this happened. It was, like, weird to come back to that. But now my memories, like, I'm able to write and create so much better now because it's like my mind has been refreshed. Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel. And it's just like an amazing, like I'm looking forward to it because I've been through four years of hell and I'm so ready to come back and take the world by storm. Go well, ahead, Sam. As a, as a fan, we're ready and starving mm-hmm. for stuff like that. I mean, there's a reason why I'm subscribed to, you know, certain podcasts or listen to certain things that are yeah. just funny, just just to be funny, I, I I miss that, and I miss storytelling. It's such a lost art now. Oh yeah, I mean that's why like I started doing Levy Land again, and it's basically it's different now. I have Rob Soul on it and Chris Abels, and we just go in there, we smoke a little weed, we have a few ideas, and I go something will happen. I go that's what we're doing. We're starting with that. You ready? Here we go. <laughs> and if you listen to it, it's on SyndicateRadio.tv, and we did three shows. The third one went out today. So we're all new at this shit, but people are really liking it, you know, and it's just, it's, I'm having a ball. I'm really having a ball and I can't, I'm going to do, uh, I'll probably do another show with Joe Conti and, uh, and John Kensel. We've been, we were doing shows and then, uh, Pat Dixon wants to get into more taping and we'll see what we can do with our show. Uh, to get it out there, maybe Kumi will want it or somebody will want it and whatever. It doesn't matter because like when I'm with Pat Dixon, I've never worked with somebody on a, a brilliant mode like that, that we get each other and we can just talk about anything and it just goes on forever and we move in and out, come back and forth, move yeah. on to something else. And it's just, I've never clicked with somebody like him. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing I got to give in, in uh, one thing I have to absolutely say that it already never when he was on the show and he talked about you, he always talked about how incredibly 
uh, fluid you were in front of a crowd, meaning it sounded more like, was crowd mm-hmm. work more your thing? Were you more into just, um, like, it wasn't just memorize bit, memorize bit. It was, uh, how much of it was crowd work and how much of it was, you know, set up jokes? I mean, it all depends on, you know, if you're hitting, I mean, like, I always try to go up there and just figure them out right there, like, yeah. or, or maybe start off with one thing and whatever pop it gets. And I'm like, all right, I got them. I can do anything. And, uh, and basically now I just write things, whatever's happened in my life, I'll go up there with that right up the beginning and start a show for five minutes and it's working and everything is just coming to me. And yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I miss Artie. I do. I haven't seen him or talked to him. I didn't talk to him in over a year, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, but I just hope he's doing well, but you know, it just sucks. With regards to him, actually, I was—I meant to ask you, Bob. Uh, We—we're basically we're mm-hmm. on his side. We're on his side, and we didn't like other websites and other YouTube mm-hmm. channels going on talking about his. You know, he's back in jail. When we we did a search, we looked up all the databases and looked up. You know, if he was incarcerated and like, yeah. stop saying this shit if it isn't true. Let the guy alone, and and when he's ready to come out and talk, he will. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you don't hear from yeah. him, it's a good—it's a good thing. I mean, it, it really is. It totally is a good thing. It is. And like, uh, you know, if, if he was in jail, you would know about it. And like he said, I think he said he had anxiety really bad. I know what yeah. it was like when I got off at Xanax. I had anxiety so bad. It mm-hmm. took me uh, from December till the end of April to figure out how I was letting it into me and how to block it out. And, and, uh, like if I wanted to get anxiety, I can bring it on myself, but I can also close it, uh, right off. Mm-hmm. And I was able to do that. I, there, I go, there has to be an answer to this. And I just thought of everything that basically, and, and it's all simple shit. Yeah. It's basically, you know, as soon as it comes into your mind and you start panicking, you have to just close it off. It's like at night when you go to sleep and your mind just goes over about everything, just, take it away whatever problems are there is no problems you know Mm -hmm. if there's something you can't do anything about there's nothing you can do about why worry about it and i just live life like hey man everything's cool everything's cool and if i start getting anxiety i just go hey i'm not i'm on the beach right now and i can hear the waves coming in and it just changes everything and you get away from it that's a great perspective sam that's a wonderful, healthy perspective. And that's a lot of the reason why, like other shows speculating on Artie's sobriety, we would never do that and never do that for a reason because anything to bring on that sort of feeling, because as an addict, you know, he might have that and seeing that speculation, why would you want to cause him any more pain than he's already in? It's just unnecessary. Because yeah. people do that. You see that people do that. I see that people do that. That when when he's away and he's getting better, they're they're ripping him apart. Then he comes back and they're like, "I'm rooting for you." Yeah, I'm, and I see it, and I'm like, "Oh my god, they're so full of shit. These fucks. They're such phonies." You know. But the whole thing is, is that if okay, it, the way I look at it, if he didn't, if they didn't tell him in court, if you test again, you're going to jail and you're going to be there for a while. He would have never got clean. He could be dead right now, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because he was starting to spiral at the end. And it was oh, yeah. like I got him into the one rehab. I got him in there. He did great. I picked him up. It was like it was like him again. And then he fell. And you fell. You fall. And people yeah. 
what, what about rehab is, is that when somebody's like, I got 90 days clean, and all of a sudden they fuck up, and they're like, they fucking beat the hell out of themselves because of the, they have to go back to a number. There's no reason to count a day. Right. Yeah. All you got to do is just don't fucking do it because you're putting too much pressure on yourself to keep that number going. And if you do fall back, you have one day, you fucking start all over again. You don't have yeah. to fucking make a big deal out of it and feel like a loser. Everybody, yeah. you know, it's the hardest fucking thing. Can you imagine, can you imagine, like, if you were, if you drank just a few drinks or you smoked weed or did anything and you did that just by having a drink, you would go back to jail? How fucked up that is? You know, know what I mean? It's, Where, well, you know, that's you, an you, entire, it's such a, our society mm-hmm. is completely misguided <laughs> in how they treat mm-hmm. it. But well, that's, that's another conversation for another podcast we should have. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exa- oh, yeah. I, I've got only one other question, and then I got one more clip I'd like to play for mm-hmm. you. That's, uh, it's only two and minutes, then, but I think you'll really sure. enjoy it. And then, Sam? I'm going to ask mm-hmm. one question before yours, because yours yep, is going to go with a question and a clip. Okay. Yep. So, all right. Ralph <laughs> was always injected <laughs> and handsomely paid for what seems like a no-show job to dress Howard like a skater boy teenager. Uh, basically, he was a gas station attendant, picked up to do makeup, picked up to be a stylist, and somehow, for how little Howard pays everyone else, Ralph is always handsomely rewarded and given jobs. What the fuck is the deal with that relationship? <laughs> we know what we think. <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, no, I actually think that Howard likes to have him around. I think that he might feel bad for him it's almost like having a woman around and you buy her a nice dress or something like that you know okay but it's See like how you just said I don't though, think it's you, nothing gay or said, anything okay well you said <laughs> you feel bad you think howard feels bad for him now i'm gonna ask you how many people does howard feel bad for uh <laughs> I, I, I really thought that he, he felt bad for J.D. I really thought he, you know, I I don't know why he never gave him more money, but he really, <laughs> J.D. did a lot of work, and he loved him, He you know. But I, I say I don't really know what money was. Like, it wasn't my business. I just know from what I heard. But, yeah, yeah but he loved him. But, yeah, you know, you got to, truthfully, you have to look at it as a thing what would you do if you didn't have the show and that's the thing it's like you, you, what you do know, you think some people would do it for think? nothing so my question mm-hmm. is what do you think of that relationship don't you think it's strange with ralph and, and no, howard. Howard. yeah i mean i just think that I, I, I think he can really trust Ralph. I really think that that's probably, like, I, I don't think many other people would feel like they can trust Ralph, but I think Howard does. Oh, no shit. And that's why he's there. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, like, like anyone he's else would be beast. like, I don't trust that motherfucker. I wouldn't tell. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, just one real quick, because uh, we know uh, we did six out, no, mm-hmm. nine hours on the bro fight. 
And um, that was all brought oh, on yeah. by this girl, Jen, that you got in touch with. And you, you told people in an interview that you did it to fuck with Artie, basically. Well, but, I was getting them back. I wrote that on Stern Fan Network. Yeah, because oh. of the fact he did something to me. And I said, I'm going to get him back. And that was okay. my fucking thing to get him back. So my question was, did you ever get any blowback from Artie after the fact when you were on the road or you saw him next time? Did he ever say, you fucking cocksucker? How could you, you know, like, <laughs> you know, look what you did. <laughs> no, you know what? Nothing. I, I probably drove him home that day. If I was up there, I took him home. Uh, <laughs> even when he abused me on the wrap up show, he basically said, I came up with an idea stay out. I'm going to do something. I came in and he ripped me apart totally. And then we listened on the way home. And I said, it was the most brilliant thing I ever heard because, <laughs> because I wrote down a few things when I was sitting there and I goes, I just went off on you for 10 minutes. We listened to it on the way home. That's what it was. You, you're done with work. You understand? That was work. Yeah. That was work. And I probably drove him home. No, maybe not. Cause I had her, I had to drop her off somewhere. But uh, <laughs> Whiskey but most of the time, <laughs> if I was there by myself, I would drive him home yeah. uh, right into Hoboken on the way home. And then I, we'd either go get something to eat or whatever. And uh, or or I just go right back down on onto the turnpike. But we never argued over anything. You know, we didn't, we never argued over anything from the show. We if we argued, we argued on the show about the show. But it was like. You know, it was like, stop it. You know what I mean? We're like brothers. You know what I mean? What the fuck? You know, shut the fuck up. And we both shut the fuck up. I love that you love the rant. That makes me so happy. (laughs) Well, this is, I'm going to play you one last clip, Bob, and this is, it'll have to break it up a little bit. I think it's already talking about how brilliant you are, but also talking about how regular life details are a little beyond you. Okay. One sec. He says, I want to change my flight. To the 1 p.m. flight you guys were on, so I could sleep late. I said, great, that's great. Got to come on the flight. The more the merrier. I said, uh, you should do that. He goes, what do I do? <laughs> Bob's 45 <laughs> on the road forever. He, go, he wants to change his flight. He goes, what do I do? I go, what airline are you on? Continental. I said, okay. And then he goes, well, what do I do? <laughs> Still doesn't know what to do. I said, call Continental. <laughs> okay, here we go. And then there's a pause. He goes, okay. And then he goes, what do I say? (laughs) And uh, I pause in amazement. And I say, well, listen, tell them what you want to have happen. (laughs) Uh, In other words, you have a flight on Continental that you want to change. You got Continental on the phone now. What do you think you should say? You should say you want to have the flight change you should okay so here we go it's only a little bit left and say i need my house painted you shouldn't say my kid uh, has the runs you shouldn't say my wife is fucking other guys they don't care about that they change your flight so um he uh then looks puzzled for another 10 minutes and goes uh so what do i do again and um I said, Bob, they're trained to handle retards. Like, in other words, if you get somebody on the phone, if you could just put together this thought, like, change flight. <laughs> okay, almost done. Trained to punch in the computer. Okay, you oh, have an man. IQ of 40. This is how I deal with this person. And so somehow, even if you have an IQ of 40, get you to change the flight. He was so confused and barreled over by this that he never changed the flight. He stayed up all night after the 6 a.m. flight. Um... 
<laughs> he had a hard time uh, uh, The man is uh, almost retarded. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, might, be, might be the only time where we're playing a clip to a guest that's in disparaging them, and we don't feel it's, it's out of the out of the out of the question. We don't think it's a problem. <laughs> it's not. I'm dying laughing here. Oh my god, my jaw hurts because it's like here's the whole thing. It's like. I'm one. I I'm one of those people. that somebody would do it for me, like my wife would do it. Like I, if I was not married so many times, I would never know how to do anything because they. You know, I finally started going out to this. I go to. I go. I tell my wife the other day, I, I'm going to go to the store and get cigarettes. And she goes, "That's good. You're going out to get cigarettes because I would send her out. You understand? Like there's nothing. Like. You know what I mean? And to make the, oh, make me a flight. We have to go this time. We have to go this time. And and they would, you know, and that's how it was. I was never, I, w- I would just, I would focus on what I had to do, not how to get there or whatever. And that's yeah. why it was always good to have some. I had no idea how to do it. And when I first started going out with Artie, I, I didn't, I didn't fucking, it was different. And he's like, yeah. You've been on the road all these years. You don't know what the fuck to do. And I was like, no, it's like kind of done for me. And something in the club picked me up, took me to a hotel. And then yeah. they get me to, at the hotel, bring me to the club, bring me to the airport. I get on a plane and I come home. You're a, you passenger, you're a passenger through life, Bob. <laughs> Bob does have yes, a Yes, I really though. am. I, well, listen, Bob, I want to thank you so much for agreeing to be part of our show. Um, as soon as it's uh, completely edited and what have you and ready for release, I'm going to send you a link. And, um, mm-hmm. and uh, we, okay. we, wish you, we wish you all the best and we'd love to talk to you again sometime. Sam, thank do you have you. anything to, before, before I Absolutely. wrap it up? Please come to Helium Comedy Club in Buffalo. Like, a lot of comics come there. Gilbert I'll comes there often. And... I would really yeah. love for you to come. Buffalo's Buffalo's a great stern town, and they know you, and they would totally oh, uh, come out. I know it was, yeah, it was a wonderful place when we went there a lot of times. No, definitely. Once everything starts opening up, I don't want to go half ass. I want everything to open up fully before I start hitting the road again. But I'm definitely, I'm hitting everywhere, everywhere. I'd say bring Florentine with you, but after that story, I'm not. I'm gonna text him after <laughs> uh-huh. this. Like, what in the flying? I, Fuck is that? I hear Buffalo. That was so. Uh, that was so long ago. I'm I'm teasing. I'm yeah. teasing. We're. I hear Buffalo. I hear Buffalo yeah. has great. I hear Buffalo has great shrimp. <laughs> yeah, shrimp, shrimp. Because that's how I said it in in New York. Yeah, I'm gonna get some shrimp. And then how it's like. I'm from New York. I don't say it like that. <laughs> we got to get Bob to say Led Zeppelin. Anyway, thank you so much, Bob. We love you. And uh, any pl- any plugs or websites uh, thank uh, you, you want you want to uh, send me? I'll put them. Well, I'll make sure there's a uh, um, there's a a link in the uh, in the video when we're when it's on. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, guys. This was a lot of fun. It really was. Cheers, man. Take care. Take it easy. Take care. You guys have a great night. Cheers, Bye. brother. Okay? And I'm going to fly out there next week, and I'm going to straighten your ass out. <laughs> and I'm going to make sure that you really get it. I'm going to make sure that you know what a rude, thoughtless little pig you really are. Do you understand? You're a rude, thoughtless pig. So be ready on Friday the 20th, because I'm coming out there. I'm going to tell you this, and I'm going to turn around, and I'm going to fly right back home. <laughs> you are a rude, <laughs> thoughtless pig. <laughs>